podcast that teaches you how to have a higher quality sex life, where I share cutting-edge research in neuroscience and psychology, relatable stories, and practical mindfulness-based skills so that you can maximize your pleasure potential and unlock more awareness and energy in every area of your life. I am Master Life Coach and Mindfulness Expert, Danielle Savory, and I am thrilled to be on this journey with you. Hello, 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 pleasure seekers. Oh my goodness. I am so excited today because I have one of the very, very best, if not the best in the industry when it comes to marriages and helping marriages be juicy and magnetic and amazing and communicative. And it's also one of my best friends in the whole world. Maggie Reyes is on the podcast today, gracing us with her presence and her intelligence and her brilliance. And I had to have her come on because Maggie and I talk like all the time. And we even talked about how we'll be doing this until we're like old and gray ladies. Um, (laughs) Every couple of weeks, we have a nice juicy conversation. And when we were talking about this, I was like, you know, I just feel like my people need to hear about soul-centered communication because I had Maggie in the very first cohort that I did of Better Sex in 90 Days, which was over a year ago, which is crazy. I had her as a guest instructor come on and she had shared with me this incredible tool that she has created that really just helps break down how to have conversations with your significant other. And she then presented to the group. We had amazing conversations in there, amazing coaching created around it. And I still hear from my clients how helpful that has been, especially navigating conversations that can be kind of vulnerable or tricky or scary when it comes to sex or getting a coaching on sex or having your partner, whether it's your wife join Better Sex in 90 Days program, or you are the woman that wants to join Better Sex in 90 Days program and you don't know how to bring this up with your partner or something you want to try new. And I was like, hey, Maggie, you want to come on and talk about it? And she said, yes. So that is what we are going to do today. Maggie is a certified life coach. She helps high achieving type A women have five-star marriages. She has an incredible program, which I'm sure we will talk about later called Marriage MBA. And she's just a lovely human. She's also written a book called Questions for Couples Journal, which you can find on Amazon. I will put a link to that as well as all of the other goodness so that you can be in Maggie land and be delighted weekly, daily, just like I am. So welcome to the show, Maggie. I'm so happy to have you. First of all, that was the best intro ever. Basically, anytime you want me on the show, I just come for the intros. It's, it's, it's all good. You can have me anytime Perfect. you want. <laughs> Perfect. Well, it's funny behind the scenes because yeah. right before we came on, I was like, Maggie, I don't have a bio for you. And I was like, is it okay if I wing it? She's like, yeah. And so I just, I just wung it. And so I'm so glad that I nailed it. You did. You nailed it. I love it. So Uh, this is both like a podcast interview and just the behind the scenes on our conversations. (laughs) Like, yeah, it'll be a little bit of both. Yeah. 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 So let's just, before we even jump into what soul-centered communication is, will you first just tell a little bit more from your own words, like what you do and actually how like what you did led you to creating this tool? Like what was kind of the behind the scenes, like behind, like what got you to creating this to begin with? 
So it's a really fun story. So I'm a marriage coach and I help type A women have better marriages. And for three years, I ran a free group on Facebook. It's closed now. But during the time that I ran that group, when you would join, I'd ask you, what's the biggest issue in your relationship? And people would say communication. And it was kind of like 90% of the people said communication and then 10% was everything else. Like sometimes it was sex, sometimes it was money, sometimes it was kids or in-laws, right? Everything else was out of the 10%, but 90% was communication. And I'd ask people, well, where do you get stuck? Is it listening? Is it talking? Like what, what's happened? Like what happens? And I sort of amassed all these different answers from people and they tell me, oh, you know, um, I get flustered and then I can't say anything or my partner will walk away or they would just give me all these different scenarios. And I sort of would help them with the tools that I use in my coaching and the tools that I had then. And then over time, I really thought, what if I had a simple tool that addressed all these things, all these things that I've seen for the last three years? What if we could have some kind of umbrella where no matter which one of these things or wherever you're getting stuck right now is, oh, my partner gets offended or I don't know, you know, how to talk about this without hurting their feelings, which is with sex, you know, conversations is a big one, as yeah. we know. And so I thought, what if I had something like that, that would just address all these things that would be a framework that a person could follow and that they didn't need their partner in order to do it? Because mm-hmm. there are other communication frameworks that are highly effective and they're great. But I have found that it requires the other person to know what you're doing and the other person to repeat things back or to do things in a particular way. And my whole philosophy is I work with individuals, so I work with women, making their relationships better when their partner maybe isn't prioritizing that, right? Just as I know Mm -hmm. that you do with Better Sex in 90 Days, which is you work with the individual for their own relationship with themselves and with their sex life. So based on that, what the problems I saw were and that it had to be a tool that you didn't need anybody else in order to implement. That was really how um, soul-centered communication was born. And then I just really, it was very sort of both sexy and boring, right? I just sat in my office and looked at the blank screen and doodled on my (laughs) whiteboard and was like, "Mm, could it be this? No, it's that, right? It was was both the the sexiness and the boringness of that. Yeah, And when I when I finished, you know, when I had it all fleshed out, I literally had the thought, this is going to change the world. Like I literally mm-hmm. had the thought, this needs to be in the hands of as many people as will listen to me talk about it, which is why I love being on here to talk about it yeah. because um, it's where we struggle the most, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether it's with our kids, it's having a framework that helps you not struggle to express yourself. Mm-hmm. just changes everything. And so then I started just teaching my one-on-one clients little by little, sort of like my little test lab, right? I just tested it on them. And I was like, Hey, I came up with this thing. What do you think? Let's try it. And then every time I walked each client through it, it was kind of like the experience I had when I guest taught in better sex for 90 days where everybody, their eyes were wide open. They were like, what? Say that again. It was of a very immediate sort of visceral reaction to this is so simple and I can follow it and it makes sense. And then that happened over and over and over again. So I thought, okay, it's really a thing. And I always say this with like so much love and humility, like God smiled on me that day, right? Like, Mm -hmm. yes, you know, I, I sat with a blank sheet of paper and my blank whiteboard to, to, think about it, but I really do believe in magic, kismet, the universe, the angels, you know, 
all the good things. And I do believe <laughs> that you put yourself in the path of those things, but you do have these moments that it's like you're connected with the divine. It might be when you have a really beautiful orgasm too, would be a similar thing where you're just, you're just connected to something that's bigger than yourself and you're open to it and you're allowing it, but it, there's no way that it's just you in that moment. Yeah. So that's how I feel about this tool. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So we're going to dive into it, but I think I want to come back really quick because you said something in there. And I think this is a perfect point to reiterate from Maggie's voice because you've heard Mm -hmm. me talk about it. Sure. The power of one. Yes. So that fact that you made this tool for one person, they're asking about you know, how, like, how could things change if I don't have my partner on board or how could all of these things change, you know, like, and we really go in with this mindset that we always have to both be working at something really hard or both be on the same page or both be blah, blah, blah. Like, why don't you offer couples counseling? I get like five DMs a day about that. And I would love for them to hear from someone other than me. Yeah, totally. (laughs) I'm down Why with the that. power of one. So yeah. give them your little spiel on that. <laughs> okay, it's my pleasure. I think about this almost as much as you do. We both think about this all the time and talk about yeah. it behind the scenes. So first of all, um, it's great if your partner is equally as interested in some of the issues in your relationship as you are. That's awesome. For many of us, that's not the case. It's just not the case. And I'll, and I'll tell you a couple of things. I know some of you will listen to this podcast, love it. Be like, I'm all in. And also think like, but if I want to make my sex life better, why does it have to be me? Mm-hmm. And here's my answer. Because you're the one who wants it better. 99% of the time when I dig a little deeper with any of my clients and the people in my community, and we ask, well, what is, how's the partner going through all of these things? Like The partner is like thrilled that you even looked at them twice. Like they're just happy you're there. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So this is why it's you, because you're the one who wants something different. And it's like, what do you mean? It's like, they're just thrilled you looked at them again. They yeah. won the freaking lottery when you said yes to them, right? So that's the first thing. Then really my work, and I know Danielle's work is very similar in this regard, is based on systems theory. When mm-hmm. one element of a system changes, the other elements of the system react to that change. And then it sounds counterintuitive when you first hear of it, But now Danielle and I have worked with so many people in so many different situations with so many different issues. It's really becomes very predictable. Like you engage in a series of behaviors and you engage in questioning your thinking and your mindset, you engage with your body, all the different things Danielle teaches every day on the podcast, and you will create those results. I don't know what percentage it is, a high percentage of the time, right? Mm -hmm. And it does become something. So the power of one is this. We said the theory. I know some of you want to hear the theory. You can go look that up and read all about it. It's all kind of research around that. We said the part about why is it you? Because your partner wants, your partner's like happy they won the lottery. They don't need any changes. You're the one who wants to be different. Now let's talk a little bit about how is it you? Can one person actually do it? And here's an example I love to give. When you walk into a place and you're in a great mood and the birds are chirping and the... (laughs) the flowers are blooming and everything is amazing and you just light up the place. We've all had that moment where somebody walked in the door and lit up the room, right? If you have kids, I don't have kids, but if you have kids, kids that I'm around, they're like, like ebullient, exuberant with life, (laughs) right? 
They just light it up. But let's think about a kid, right? That's a good example. And then they stub their toe and the world has ended and everything is dark and dreary and bad and everything, right? One person always can change a room, can change a relationship, can change the world. One person always has, one person always will. We, ha- we can go through the like history of the planet and find endless examples of innovations and different things that one person fought for, one person did. We can also find when a person leaves a company, a situation, uh, all kinds of different things, right? How the impact that one person can have. I actually have a fun story about this, but I want everyone to get it in their mind. Like, can one person really have that impact? So I used to love USA Network. I used to watch all their shows. I was obsessed with like Royal Pains and White Collar, like all that, all the shows that were on back then. (laughs) And like literally all their shows. And then all of a sudden their shows started changing and the, it wasn't really the same sort of vibe. It was kind of a little darker. It was a little more edgy. And that's just not my, you know, it's fine. But it's not my thing. So I stopped watching their shows. And I had this whole conversation with my husband. I, th- I said, I think somebody left. I think mm. somebody somewhere who was the one picking the shows left. And now it's just not my thing anymore. Right. And years later, I got to meet that person. <laughs> that is a funny thing. And I, I and I got to meet that person and I and I didn't know that it was that person, but yeah. this person told me that they worked at one point at USA. And I was like, you know, I have this theory that one person, you know, used to pick all the shows. She's like, oh, I, that's what I used to do. And I was like, you see? <laughs> one person can change the world. Yeah. One person can yeah. change the tone, can change the decision. So that's my most fun story about that. But we can have all kinds of stories about that. So this is. It's both why is it you and how is it you? This is the why and this is the how. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think everybody listening can really think of more examples. Like the example that came up for me is uh, like going on family trips. Like, and my mom, she really was so good at like setting the tone because there was always like things that would happen along the way. Like I remember one time she like had this grand idea for us to go on the spring break trip. And it was like going to this resorty place with like swimming pools. We packed all of our swimsuits and like, it was like going to be hot. We got our suntan lotion and we live in Oregon. So like, there's not a lot of like sun in March, mm-hmm. but like this place, it was like, we're going here. So we drive and we get there and number one, it's freezing. Like no swimming pools are open. It's like this outdoor water park. Like no swimming pools are open. It's March. It was like mm-hmm. so cold, totally closed. And like, it could have been like this so sad trip, like getting back in the minivan and she just mm-hmm. like made it like, Oh, well, this is just the next adventure. And like, took us to this like lodge on the mountain in the snow. Like we were in the snow with our flip-flops on and our beach towels, like completely dressed (laughs) the wrong way. We went into this lodge, we bought wool socks, we had hot chocolate. And it's like one of my favorite memories. And it was just because she carried like the tone of like that car and with us. And it wasn't a problem. It wasn't a big deal where it could have easily gone like, oh, I'm so sorry. You guys should, you'd be fine with, you know, like so many other ways it could have gone, but like 
one person always has the ability to, to yes. rally a, you know, a group or yes. to make them feel like it's doom and gloom. And in a relationship, it's just a smaller yeah. you know, microcosm of that same, same impact. A hundred percent. The power of one is infinite. Yes. I love it. Okay. So let's hear it. Tell us okay. centered communication. Let's learn all about it. Okay. So first of all, for everyone listening, think about that conversation you're avoiding or that you wish you could have, but you think you can't, or the last one you had that didn't go the way you wanted it to. So think about that conversation that you really wish you could have and have that in mind as I go through these steps. Okay. So take a moment, think about that. Now that you're there, we're going to go through the steps. I'm going to tell you the, there's five steps. I'm going to tell you what they are first. And then we're going to go one by one and unpack each one. So you really know about each one. So perfect. it has two things. There's the soul part and the centered part. And the soul part stands for, the S stands for solution focused. The O stands for open hearted. The U stands for uncomplicated. And the L stands for loving. So notice for everyone listening that you may not even know the details of what these things are, but just by the description, solution-focused, open-hearted, uncomplicated, and loving, you already have these like four terms that can help you frame a conversation moving forward. And now I'm going to explain it. It's going to get even juicier, but just notice that. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's the soul part. The centered part of soul-centered communication is that soul-centered communication does not happen inside of a stress cycle. Mm -hmm. And it's intended to bring awareness to you about when you're in a stress cycle or when you observe your partner being in a stress cycle. And I'm going to explain exactly what I mean by that when we get to that part. But when we observe either ourselves or a partner in a stress cycle, it's an invitation to reassess, reschedule, to, to rethink what we're going to do next. That's it. That's the framework. It's very simple mm -hmm. on purpose because as Danielle and I talk about all the time, the simpler something is, the more likely is you're going to apply it. And we both are very committed to having our students and our clients apply the things we're talking about all the right. time. Like that's what we're all about. Okay. So solution focus. So Think, think about this. I'm going to ask Danielle. She's going to represent all of you. Okay? okay. So have you ever in a conversation brought up something that happened in 2003 that had nothing to do? She's nodding. That has nothing to do. Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> so we have a tendency, right, to bring up all the things. Mm -hmm. Or to look at every angle the problem has ever had. To look at the problem. This is why it's so terrible. And this is what made it worse. And this was the other thing that happened. That is problem focused. What happens is you become intimately aware of the problem. But becoming intimately aware of the problem does not create a solution to the problem. Right. And here there's nuance. OK, so I'm talking very specifically about when it's not useful or when we tend to go in circles in a conversation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There are times when we absolutely the most right thing to do is to investigate what is the problem I'm solving, to get to the root cause, to figure it out. So there are moments when investigating that problem is really useful. 
for most of us, we know the problem really well. We've maybe have even had that problem for years. It's mm-hmm. been the same one, right? Yep. And so when we want, especially to talk with our partners, especially about anything in our sex life, we want to be solution focused. What does success look like? What do I actually want? The more explicit, the more specific you can be, the better. I always think it's a good idea to assume that our partners have no ability for nuance and that we must be as explicit and as clear as we can possibly be. Because a lot of times, and tell me, Danielle, I'm sure you've seen this too. A lot of times I'll have people come to me and they'll say, but I kind of mentioned it, but I didn't want to, I wanted to sort of say it diplomatic because I didn't say it head on, say it head on. Yeah. And oh my goodness, like I can't even with when it comes to sex, especially. And I'm like, but did you tell them you wanted to have sex? And they're like, no, but I put on like my silky nightgown and I'm like, give me a freaking like, no. They're like, I just thought that they would know. Or like, I, you know, I came over and I like rubbed my buns on him. And that's usually like an indication I'm open for it. You know, especially when it comes to initiating, there's so much like zero explicitness. Yeah. (laughs) So so listen, be explicit and be solution focused. What does success look like? Are we having sex tonight? Are we having it tomorrow? Like, What do you actually want in the most clear terms possible? And here's what will happen very often. If it's not us, it'll be our partners. Where just as a society in general, you know, what keeps us alive is knowing how to solve problems, right? And looking Mm -hmm. for problems and solving them. It is like through the millennia of the evolution of humanity, this has kept us alive. So it's very easy for our partners to go back to the problem. Oh, but remember that time we had the bad sex. Remember the thing that happened that was a all of these other things. So what we want to do is when our partner goes off on the tangent, we bring it back to, and what do you want tomorrow? Or what are we doing this weekend? We bring it back to what does success look like? Okay. Okay. Ready for, oh, yes. Okay. I feel like I have like some questions, but I want to go through all of these. No, ask me, ask me them now. Okay. 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 So, um, so the first thing I want to come to solution focus, the first thing that came up to me when you said that, especially when it comes to, you know, sex and, and asking, and I'm sure we're going to get into this. That's why I was a little hesitant to start with this question, but when it involves the other person doing something or having to change, right? Because we're talking about the power of one here, but it's like that difference of like success focused where Mm -hmm. it's like a partner asking for sex and the success looks like that, like the partner says yes, right? The partner says yes, right? Like we're really kind of depending then on them doing what we want to do. Yeah. Okay. No, let's talk about it step by step. It'll all sort of come together in the end for everyone. So a couple of things. First of all, we must become very literate in the difference between a request and a Mm -hmm. demand. Mm -hmm. And this is something I teach all the time. And I have a podcast called Requests Versus Demands. If you want to look that up, you can. But there, here's the gist. Okay. At the end of a request, there's no emotional price to pay 
if the if the if the if you're asking your partner for something and they say no and it's a request there's no emotional price to pay at the end of it it's like mm-hmm. do you want burgers or steaks oh steaks sound good tonight there's no emotional price to pay you're like okay then we're having steak you move on right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. very often when we think we're making a request what we're actually doing is making a demand mm-hmm. i want steaks how dare you talk that way about burgers? Don't you know that burgers are the best? How dare you want steaks? I can't believe you said steaks instead of burgers. What's wrong with you, right? Like that is a demand when there's an emotional price to pay, which sometimes is our pouty face. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's our retreat. Sometimes it is our our visibly spoken anger. How could you, oh, whatever. Those things, when we're going to engage with productive communication, so the intention behind soul-centered communication is that your conversations become more productive. You have moved forward at the end of it instead of being in the middle of a circle that went nowhere at the end of yeah. it. Yeah. When we're going to engage in productive communication, we it requires us to think about it ahead of time. It right. requires us to say, oh, and if their answer is no, what will I do? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How will I comfort myself if I need comforting? Mm-hmm. How will I not make it mean they're rejecting me? Whatever mm-hmm. it is that, that comes up, right? Because mm-hmm. sex is such a, it's a place where I think our wounds just become alive very easily. Yes, yes. Like any place we touch and it's, it's sexual related, it's like our most tender spot in our mm-hmm. emotional body, right? It's mm-hmm. very easy to go to the worst case scenario there. Right. So when we think about being solution-focused or solution-oriented, that request versus demands, and we'll talk about it also again when we talk about whether you're in a stress cycle or your partner's in a stress cycle, we'll talk about that. But that idea is one of the very first things to think about. What does success look like? Now, let's say we ask, what does success look like? And success is having sex with my partner this week. That's what success would look like. But we know they haven't been available or for whatever reason, are just not available emotionally, physically, or whatever it may be this week. Yeah. Okay. Then, then what success looks like might be, what are the milestones that we need to reach for you to be open to re-engaging sexually with me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then it becomes a different conversation. Notice that the only way we figure that out is by defining what success would look like, which is sex this week. Yeah. And then checking in, well, what's in the way? Oh, you know, we just had this huge fight over this thing with the kids. And now we're in this other place <laughs> for sure. Like nobody was wanting to have sex this week. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But then it really is what are the milestones we need to reach for sex to be back on the table? Mm-hmm. And then that's the conversation you have. Right. Notice it still moved you forward. Because now it may not be sex this week, but it might be sex this month or next month, right? Right. You're getting closer to it. Okay. Um, And we can come back to any questions about any of these because as they sort of meld in with each other, there might be others. So open-hearted is really important. So I love the Gottman Institute. They research marriage. They know like what works and what doesn't work based on, I don't know, thousands of couples that they do research on and then draw conclusions from. And one of the conclusions that they have drawn in their research is that being open to your partner's influence is a key determining factor in the ability of your relationship to thrive. Mm -hmm. 
So being open to influence does not mean you will do everything your partner says. Being open to influence means you will take into consideration their perspective when you make their decision. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you'll agree and sometimes you'll still stay with what you originally wanted. So knowing that scientifically, we know that being open to influence is important. The second step in soul-centered communication is being open-hearted in the communication itself. Mm-hmm. So being open-hearted is, are you willing to consider their point of view? Are you willing to think about what they're saying? Why does this bother them? Or why is this important to them? Or what matters to them? It might not even be a, a disagreement. Like social-centered communication, you can use it to plan a vacation, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. you know buy a new house, whatever big things might be going on or little things that you need to figure out. Now, here's the thing with being open-hearted. I started teaching this to my clients, as I mentioned. And one of my clients said to me, and she was very wise, she said, this would require so much self-awareness. How would I even know if I was open-hearted or not? I don't think I can even do this in practice, right? Like, Mm -hmm. how would I do this? And I think she was absolutely right. So I sat with that, again, with another blank sheet of paper. And I thought, well, how would a person who's just hearing this for the first time, like all of you listening now, how would you know if you're being open-hearted? Here's how you will know. Are you huggable? Right now, we pause the conversation. And I, asked <laughs> I just Danielle, have to laugh because, yes. like, that's always I'm like, uh, uh-uh. uh, right? <laughs> like that was, you yeah. know, I've gotten so much better, but like that was yes. my go-to. I'm like, do not touch yeah. me, right? For like a while, and I see right. it in my girls too when we're trying to have a conversation. It's like yeah. Yeah. they won't let me hold them or touch them. So yeah. notice that that closed energy. It's not just your body, (laughs) right? It's it's how you're receiving what is being spoken is also, no, I'm the one who knows. Mm -hmm. You sit down and listen, right? When you're open-hearted and when you're huggable, oh, what do you, what do you know? Here's what I know. How do we figure it out? And it's very visceral and it's very immediate and you recognize it immediately, which is what just happened with Danielle. She thought about the thing. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely not. Right. Yeah. So you can immediately know. So am I open hearted? Listen, you're going to have conversations with people. You're going to ask yourself this question. You're going to be like, I am not open hearted right now. This true. This too is progress. You just want to see. Sometimes we blame our partners or the person we're communicating with. If it's a boss, a coworker, we blame them for being difficult. And then we start doing this work and we're like, I had five conversations with that person and I was never interested in what they had to say. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Well, and, and the thing that comes up with my clients all the time that I hear a lot, especially, you know, in heterosexual relationships and if there's children involved and woman, man, a situation where the man typically is the higher drive partner or higher sex drive partner in the relationship is this like, closed offness right away with him bringing things up or, you know, even initiating sex sometimes or whatever. It's like, even that alone can just be completely closed down of like, you don't understand why this is so hard. How dare you ask? Don't grab my buns right now. Do you even see what I've been dealing with with the kids? I'm so underappreciated. Like can't even get to that place where it's like, I actually do want to be open 
and hear your perspective because it's just decided that if you want sex from me, for whatever reason, it's bad. Yeah. So that's a place where we really want to go like three levels deeper. Mm-hmm. And I coach on that from like the marriage side of it yeah. all the time. Yeah. And here's a couple of things for everyone to think about. When that's the case, especially if we're really closed off to like, I don't even want you to touch me. Like, I don't even want a pat hello mm-hmm. or anything like that. I invite you to consider that you might be overtouched if this is you listening yep. and your partner <laughs> yep. might be undertouched. Mm-hmm. Here's the question I invite you to ask. Why? Mm-hmm. Because many times women are overtouched. The kids yeah. are all over you all day. Why? Why is it okay that they have an all access pass to your body, but your husband, if it's a husband situation, is a, is a no? Like, why is it okay to have no boundaries with your kid and have the most extreme boundaries with your husband? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is not an easy question to answer. No. Right? No. Like, like, let's be clear. I'm asking you a question that will be hard to answer. And in some cases, if you have a baby and if they have special needs, if there are a situation where touch is critical or there's like even medical reasons why there's mm-hmm. a lot of touch going. Some people will have really extreme cases where like, this is how it has to be for this chapter of our relationship. Yeah. Breastfeeding mamas, young things, kids mamas, right? that things are stay like- at home, all of that stuff. Yeah. yeah. But even within that, even if you're breastfeeding and even if you're within that, what would it look like if you weren't overtouched? Mm-hmm. What kind of breaks do you need in the day or in the week or in the month? What what does that look like? What does, what does success look like, right? Being mm-hmm. solution focused. It's a question that doesn't have an easy answer, mm-hmm. but it's the kind of question we need to be asking, right? Right, Because then the price that you pay is this complete disconnection right. with, with the person who, now let's, let's, let's pretend, right? On the husband side of things, men, are allowed to touch their wives. In our society, their wives and their kids, mm-hmm. right? Women, we get together for lunch. It's a hug fest, right? Think about, <laughs> totally. think about this, right? I was like, when I see you or when we're going to our mastermind in a little bit, yeah. there's going to be all the hugs and all the touching. Like it's not just and, our family. And we're all over each other and we'll hold yeah. hands or we'll be like listening to something and we'll just grab each other and like hug on the yeah. side of the chair. Like, completely we can touch anybody and we have pretty much like permission more or less right? if, <laughs> yeah. if we're in relationship with them right yeah yeah think about this is a very we live in a patriarchal society right and we need to know the ocean we're swimming in and many men are under touched and the mm-hmm. one person they're allowed to touch that society says is okay is this person that might be you listening hi <laughs> right <laughs> And then you tell them, no, you can't. Now yeah. you have valid reasons. I don't, I want to be really explicit and clear. Your yes. reasons yes. are completely legit. I am not yeah. saying you, you need to listen to your body and honor your body. And if your no is a no, like a hundred percent, I'm there. I want to make that super clear. I just want us to have a moment to consider that's happening over there with you. What's happening over there with him. 
Right. This is the open heartedness, right? This is our ability to sit and not make this about us or what we're Mm -hmm. doing wrong or that we're not valid in our reasons. Or if you start shaming yourself, but like, let's drop all the judgment and just be like, what could they be experiencing or what that might be like? And that exactly you're explaining it, a situation of how we can be open hearted and just be like, what would that be like to not be able to touch anybody or even receiving any touch. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, and that helps us activate compassion, which I know is a theme that you talk about all the time. And I love so much as well. Like that helps us activate compassion. Oh, this is why. Yeah. Okay. Now how, as a team, how do we solve for this together? What needs to happen? And maybe if it's a kid's situation, maybe he needs to take care of the kids two afternoons you know, or whatever, however often it may be, maybe he needs to let them climb all over him. And maybe it's a renegotiation of what that looks like so that Watch you get him a break. Go poop in the toilet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just joking, but yeah, but, right. But, but, yeah. yeah. It's like, it may be a renegotiation of what does this look like so that you get a break so you can then be available for the connection you want to have with him. Right. And then he's also no longer under touch because now he's getting the loving, you know, family touch of the children and the loving wife touch as well. Yeah. It's like a vast thing. We could have a whole show just on that, but this is just to plant in your mind that idea that sometimes we do need to go deeper. And that's why something like better sex in 90 days, which is like, that's a place where you could just go and really solve that, (laughs) figure that pretzel out. Right. Yeah. In the Marriage MBA, which is the program that I do, we talk about all these other facets. Like we, we touch upon sex, but it's not all the sex focus. for 90 days, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so that's open-hearted, visceral. You know immediately when you are and when you aren't. When you aren't open-hearted, we'll talk about how to implement this in a second, but first we just want awareness. Am I being solution-focused? Am I open-hearted right now? Okay, mm-hmm. okay. uncomplicated, the you and soul-centered communication. Uncomplicated means one thing, one thing only, and then the next thing. And if you ever hear me talk about this, you'll hear me say this sentence over and over again, like a broken record. One thing, one thing only, and then the next thing. Because we want to plan the vacation. We want to plan, I don't know, whatever. We want to deal with the roof that's leaky. I had a leaky roof a couple of years ago. There's a whole project dealing with the roofers and all that. And then we talk about the other thing we want to do and the thing we want to fix and the five other things that need to be changed. And then we start either going in circles and making no progress and making no actual decisions about the one thing that requires a decision to be made. If you do nothing else from listening to the show and just focus on being uncomplicated in your conversations, you will see a noticeable difference. I have no doubt because every time I teach this, my students and my clients come back, they're like, damn, you know, that uncomplicated thing. <laughs> I, I noticed myself wanting to bring up the five other things and, and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think that's like uh, at the beginning of our relationship, uh, George would always talk about how I, like, it was so hard when we got into arguments conversations Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. I have like a steel trap mind. So I'd remember Mm -hmm. all the things and I'm like, what about this? What about this? You know? And it's like, it kind of goes into that solution focused versus problem focused. And also the uncomplicated, it was like, 
bringing it all together and then it would just end up being an explosion yeah that ended in nothing good <laughs> and, and really like that's all of us Danielle right yeah. like just to, yeah. just for all of us to normalize like that's all of us and that's right. why really when I thought about this I'm like what's the umbrella that would account for oh you're gonna bring up something from 1987 and you're also gonna want to talk about five things at once and you're yep. also going to talk about the pro like when we step into this framework it's like Am I being solution focused? Am I open hearted? Am I uncomplicated? Immediately mm-hmm. I can I can course correct. And as you notice this, it doesn't require your partner to do anything. They're just mm-hmm. reacting to the way you're engaging with them. So when you course correct and just go back to the one thing and one thing only, and you look for what does success look like here, when you're course correcting that in your brain. They're just responding to you. So they don't have to learn the framework. They don't have to listen to this episode, though, that you certainly can share it with them. But they don't have to. You can do this all on your own without them doing that, right? Right. Okay. So uncomplicated is one thing, one thing only, and then the next thing. Very important. Okay. Loving. Here's what I've observed, Danielle. I want to hear what you've observed, too. In my community, most of the people that I know and that I work with are very good at prioritizing other people. This is not a yeah. problem. Prioritizing other people is not a skill that they have any problem or deficiency mm-hmm. with. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the loving portion of soul-centered communication is being loving towards yourself and the other person. It's yeah. including yourself in the equation. Mm-hmm. It's not making you more important than the other person. It's making you equally as important as the other person. Yeah. Yeah. So if I was being loving and we were planning whatever this thing is that we're talking about today, if we wanted to have you know, sex this week and I was being loving towards myself, how would I approach it? What would I say? What would I mention? Oh, my partner really wants to, you know, I don't know, make it on Saturday. It's like, oh, but on Saturday I have a baby shower. And if I was really being genuine about being loving towards myself, I'd say, hey, actually, Friday or Sunday would be better because Saturday I'm just going to be so focused on all these details that I won't be able to focus the way I want to on us. Yeah. That's being loving towards yourself and the other person. It's not that they suffer, right? So you're not taking anything away from them. You're just adding yourself as an important factor in whatever the decision is that's being made. Yeah. And I love that you just said that we're not taking away anything because a lot of the women that I talk to, and again, because of the ocean that we're swimming in with the patriarchy that we feel even by saying no or a different time in general to sex is taking away specifically from our male partners, right? We have been learned that a no is a taking away versus like really being loving and seeing that we're, we're both a part of this. We're not taking anything. We're not taking this, you know, carnal drive or need away. That's not being met kind of thing. And I think that's just so important that loving for ourselves. And I, I also love that you said, um, that 
it's not selfish. And I think at the beginning for a lot of women, as you're doing this, like, I like to think of it as a self-love affair, right? Like really treating ourselves like this, this partner that we would, how we would date or treat somebody else. But it feels selfish at the beginning because we're so not used to doing it, Mm -hmm. but it's really elevating us to this equal Mm -hmm. playing field Mm -hmm. rather than thinking of like, oh, we're going above. We're like, no, we're actually just, rising our own self-concept and loving ourselves as much as we already are doing that for the other person. But at the beginning, it might feel like, oh, we're making ourselves more important. And we're like, no, we're just helping us get to that equal playing field and that same level as the other person. It's so important. And I see it all the time. And I know you see it all all the time too. And so a couple of other things with regards to that. One is sometimes Danielle and I want you to see your infinite value on your own. Like you are infinitely valuable and important and you are infinitely worthy of having a delicious sex life that you just rejoice in. We, we, that's what we want for you. But we know some of you are going to be like, yeah, whatever, right? <laughs> but my kids, but my partner, but whatever. And so for those of you who think that way, I I don't care how I help you do it. I just want you to do it. So here's what I would say to you. It is in highest service to your partner or to your children or to the people that you love and that you are prioritizing for you to do this. It is of highest service to them because what happens when you do it with your partner is you resent them less. You fight and argue less. You have more opportunities for connection. You have better sex, which is the point. Because you can focus on it and you can be fully present and you're not worried about whatever the other things are that are going on. So it's of highest service to your partner for you to, like, if I can't get you to do it just because it's a good idea, yeah. <laughs> just for you, <laughs> I, I'm down with that. I know some of you, I know, I know my people, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then, then I want you to know it's also in highest service of your partner. If you think about your kids, oh my gosh, but then. I'm going to have to schedule somebody's going to take care of the kids so I can go have sexy times with my partner. And oh, like the scandal, right? Like it's in the <laughs> yeah. highest service of your, for your kids to grow up, you know, surrounded by people that are in healthy, loving relationships. Yes. And Listen to that again, everybody. It's the highest service of your children to be yeah. in a house that has a healthy, loving, yeah. passionate relationship. Yes. Yeah. Think about that, right? I grew up as a child of divorce. I never had that example. And I, for many years, I thought it would be impossible for me because I never had that example. Imagine if you're showing your kids what they could have through your example, like how could anything be more important than that? Yeah. And I actually had the opposite. I had my parents just uh, two weekends ago celebrated their 48th wedding anniversary. And I grew up in a house where my mom and dad were always kissing and they were like kissing in the kitchen, like when my friends were over and I was so embarrassed about it at the beginning. And like, why does Santa Claus put like underwear in mom's stocking? (laughs) Like So like embarrassed. Right. But then I look back and I'm like, my parents demonstrated for me that it was possible to still like love your person where I would go to other houses where I'd have other friends that didn't get that. And it was such a gift because I went in to any, you know, like serious relationship with like, Mm -hmm. 
is like standards like this. Obviously I'm worthy of having a loving partner. (laughs) Obviously I'm worthy of finding passion with my person. Like that is like a bottom level standard when I went into a relationship. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Baseline. Right. So whichever one you came, you know, whichever situation you came from, imagine what is the foundation that you want to set for your family Right. And let that be your guide. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that's so important. So that's loving. So in a conversation, loving is being equally prioritizing you and the other person. And you can really, I've I've thought a lot about this. You can, I, we talk about this in terms of sex and with your partner, but you can use this with a boss, with a coworker, with a family member, whichever, right. If we were thinking about a work situation, it would be maybe instead of loving would say respectful, right. Mm -hmm. It's the same idea. Some people, Mm -hmm. the ocean we swim in is very like, Oh, we don't have feelings at work, have feelings at work, be loving to your coworkers. (laughs) Right. Why not? Right. Yes. It's a much better world when we have more <laughs> love in it. But just to give you that framework that these things we're talking about is like, oh, I'm equally as important as my coworker who wants to take this vacation, or I'm equally as important as, you know, the family member who wants to do whatever the thing is, right? Really right. taking that in. Okay. So now we get to the centered part. Mm. So to have productive conversations it is not useful to have them when we are in a stress cycle. When I say a stress cycle, I mean fight, flight, freeze, or even appease, right? When mm-hmm. we're too agreeable to something that we don't really want, when we say yes and we really mean no, that we're in a stress cycle when we're doing that, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not productive. So to quote the Gottmans again, because their research is solid, um, they hooked up pulse oximeters, to people when they were arguing and they um, got to see what their heart rate was and what the oxygen was pumping. And they, you know, they took all the vital signs and that feeling that you have when someone cuts you off in traffic, you know, that feeling where, yeah, where you see red, (laughs) right. See red that they coined a term called flooding. Like your whole body gets flooded with chemicals. It's an actual Mm -hmm. physiological reaction that is happening in your body. It takes about 10 to 15 minutes for those chemicals to sort of wash through you. So think about this. Somebody has just cut you off in traffic. You're seeing red. Most of us, that's the time we want to talk to our partners about these very important things, right? And it is the worst time to problem solve. The worst, right? Yep. Yep. We talk about stress cycle a lot. I mean, as you know, on on this podcast and it is, it's, have a conversation, have sex, have any of it. It's like, no, like you're literally seeing red. (laughs) Your body is overtaken by like these stress invaders. (laughs) Stress invaders. I love it. So what we want to do is we want to become aware, first of all, of when we're in a stress cycle, Mm -hmm. which requires us to observe ourselves. Oh, that's right. I am pissed off. Mm -hmm. I am seeing red, right? We want to have awareness around our own reactions, right? One. Two, we want to start looking for the visible signs in our partners. Every single one of you listening to me right now can remember a time when your partner completely shut down and what their body language looked like when they were no longer available for a conversation mm-hmm. or when they got riled up and they went into the fight mode, right? Mm-hmm. Or when they like walk away. Right. When they are shutting down and sitting in front of you and they look very shut down, they start talking like this. 
it's very yes or no answers. Mm -hmm. There's no engagement at all, right? (laughs) Yes. Completely. So think about their voice. Look at what I did. The voice gets slower and softer. These are visible signs. They are observable in the material world, right? They might uh, evade eye contact. They might start um, shaking their knee or a body part might get shaky. We want to be present enough to observe the visible signs that our partner is in a stress cycle of some kind so we can make decisions. We can reassess. We can renegotiate. We can determine, "Hmm, is this a good time to talk about this? Or we can look at the soul-centered steps. Am I being uncomplicated? Oh, I just brought up that thing that happened in 1987, which always riles them up. Actually, all we need to decide is about tomorrow. Why don't yeah. we stick to tomorrow? Yeah. So you can course correct, right? Right in that moment. Or you can take a break in that moment, right? Now, when we see our partners with those visible signs, it's an opportunity to influence safety. We cannot control the safety of another person because we cannot create safety in another human. We know this is true because another human cannot create it for us. Mm -hmm. Now we can influence it. And when we influence it, we can think just like through the soul centered steps. Am I being solution focused? Am I being open hearted? Maybe they're freaking the freak out, but I am also totally close to their idea. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, Am I being loving towards them and towards me? Maybe I'm not Do neither of us. Right. We have a moment that we can reassess and we can look at our tone of voice, our own body language, some of the other things that can influence safety in that conversation and determine, do we want to stick with the conversation? Is it time to take a break? Is it time to reschedule? Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you this question, because I think this comes up a lot is that just the, let's say it's talking about having sex this week. Yeah. Or yeah. initiating of any kind, you know, like I would yeah. like for us to start having conversations about yes. sex or this is important yeah. to me or anything like that, that it automatically triggers yeah. stress. Yeah. Right. The, the subject matter itself. Yes. Right. Tends to automatically trigger into that stress cycle. Yes. So how might somebody knowing that, yes, knowing that this is always a, a you know, a sensitive yes. topic, especially if it's like, you know, yes. maybe a husband approaching a woman who already feels like maybe she's not doing enough and she's, you know, trying all this stuff and he's like, not going at her like, Oh, I just need this need met, but like, Hey, Yes. Okay. I, I want yeah. this. Like, yeah. if you already know that the subject itself holds that trigger, yes. How do you create safety ahead of time? I love it so much. There are ways. So let's mm-hmm. begin. Yeah. What the first one is: give your partner the heads up. Yes. I want to talk about having sex this week. I want to talk about the milestones we reach. Whatever it is that you want to talk about, that's the thing, the sticky mm-hmm. thing you want to talk about. Yep. I want to talk about that. When is a good time? Here's what I want to talk about. And really allowing them to prepare. Here's another thing I've seen, a dynamic that I've seen a lot. And Danielle, I want to hear what you think too. 
Um, you know how spenders marry savers and, you know, high drive people marry low drive people, whatever, yeah. right? All these yeah, different yeah, yeah. Um, Fast thinkers are often attracted to slow thinkers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what I love about my partner is how thoughtful they are. Yeah. Right? But I make decisions like this. I make one decision and then the next one and the next one and the next one. And then so when I'm ready to talk about sex, I'm ready to go on to the next and the next and the next. But my partner is still thinking about the very first thing that I said 10 minutes ago. (laughs) So I see this a lot. So for anyone out there, think about, am I the quick one in the relationship that's always sort of like ready to go to the next thing? Or am I the thoughtful one? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you want to create safety with someone who needs time to think things through, you tell them ahead of time, I want to talk about these three things. Yes. When is a good time? This is what it's about. Another pattern I see a lot, and I've totally done this, is I will have thought about it for a month. (laughs) I will have thought about it (laughs) from every angle. I will have called Danielle. We will have talked about it. We will have texted (laughs) about it and zoomed over it. And then I go to my partner as if my partner is joining me in the middle of this conversation (laughs) that I've already had with myself. Yeah. For the last month. And I'm like, why aren't they on board immediately? But I've thought about it for a whole month. Mm -hmm. They just heard about it today. Yeah. Yeah. This is like my MO, like getting a puppy. Like I was already like, here is the puppy I want to get. It was like, I had been researching for like two months, (laughs) you know, online, contacting all the birds. Like, wait, you want to get a dog? (laughs) What's going on? (laughs) What's happening? You're like, yeah, "Yeah, but like tomorrow, not like, like, no, 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 no. I've warmed up to this idea for eight weeks and they're just catching on eight minutes ago. (laughs) And so if we think about it with sex, I've thought about all the different things I want to do sexually, maybe, right? For the last three months. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I'm like, wait, you don't want to dangle from that chandelier? What's what's wrong with you? (laughs) Yeah. So giving the person the heads up and and practicing the soul-centered steps. So being solution-focused, what does success look like? Being uncomplicated, one thing, one thing only, and the next thing. I want to talk about this one thing. Do not talk about the entirety of your whole sexual history or your whole sexual future. Sex on Sunday. Yes. Yes. That. So that's one way to start creating safety. The other way is to do things that normalize sexual conversations. So -hmm. you're listening to the It's My Pleasure podcast, pick an episode that you like, tell your partner, hey, I listened to this episode. I really loved it. Do you want to listen to it? Can I tell you about it? Some people are more or less available, right? So consent, Mm -hmm. just like with anything else, really important. I'd love to discuss it with you. I can give you my summary or you can listen to it and we can discuss it together. By doing that, you're normalizing sexual conversations because why do they feel like a minefield? Because we never have them. Right, right. When we start having them, then it starts feeling very normal and like usual. Like, of course, we would talk about things. So that's one way, like we're already here listening to this. Use this as a resource, right? right? Uh, one of Danielle's Instagram stories. I saw this story or, the, or a post, right? I read this post today. It really piqued my interest. I thought this, what do you think? In small, casual moments, that isn't the be all and end all of your sex life for forever, just a casual moment. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. That is another way that you start normalizing those conversations. I will very shamelessly plug my book, The Questions for Couples Journal. 
and I say mm-hmm. shamelessly because I think it would be a great tool for you to use. There are sex questions in there. So as you go through, you ask the questions about your goals and your dreams and your future and your favorite, you know, Sam, what would you name a sandwich if it was, it was named after you, whatever. And, oh, by the way, what's something you're afraid of sexually that you, you know, are afraid to talk about, whatever, right? Yeah. We normalize yeah. the conversations. So yeah. what we want to do is, yes, it is very possible. And all of you listening already know because you live it that it could be an immediate trigger that it creates this stressful reaction. But what we tend to forget is that we can remove that as a trigger, right? We can soften that reaction by normalizing, by giving heads up, by asking for consent, by all of the things that we're talking about today. Yeah. I love it. I, oh, I think, I think it's, it's, you know, all the things that you said were just very validating, I think for me as a coach to do, because this is exactly what I do with my clients. Or I have a lot of husbands that reach out to me on Instagram and in DMs. And it's those kind of things like, well, why don't you refer to like this episode or this, this post or, you know, making it like that, that gentleness and coming from a loving place and really helping create that safety. And, and I think the, yeah, it's just, if we know that ahead of time, if we know that it's a touchy subject, then it just shows how much more intention you want to put into it and forethought you want to put into it of like, how can I help? Like you said, we are not the ones that are creating safety, but how can I help influence? How can I add to the container of safety here? Because, you know, it can be a touchy subject for a, a lot of people and we don't have to deny that to, (laughs) to have these conversations. We don't have to be like, well, it shouldn't be. And she shouldn't be stressed out about, and this should be really easy or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever it may be. It's just like, okay, it probably is. And I can see where this is where our compassion comes in our open-heartedness. I could see how they might make this about them. And like, how do I want to phrase this? How do I want to talk about it? How do I want to come in with that solution focused and uncomplicated, but then also helping create safety from the forefront? Yeah. This is how then they all come together. Yeah, right? exactly. Because you might be just leaning into one, but then you might lean into the other. And then you sort of lean in and out of all of these different ones. And if you're the person who wants to talk about sex and your partner gets activated, has an activation, whether it's an mm-hmm. aggressive activation, like they get upset about it, or whether mm-hmm. it's a gentle activation, like they get, like they freak out, they cry, or they, they go inward. They go inwards. Yeah. Then it's kind of like the same idea as the beginning of like, what are the milestones we need to reach in order to talk about this? It's kind of like, what can we talk about first? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. What What is the first step? It's not the whole solution to the whole thing. It's like, hey, I'd like to talk about this, but I don't want you to shut down and I don't want to talk about it in a way that isn't productive. How can we do that together? How can we approach that as a team? What would help you feel better? Literally, explicitly asking them, what would help you feel better? And then being open to their answer because they might tell you a truth that then you don't want to hear, Yeah. right? So we got to be ready for that. Request versus demands. Like we talked at the beginning, right? Yeah. Sometimes, and I know I'll give you my example, is I shut, my tendency is to shut down and retreat. Mm-hmm. And one day my husband very lovingly pointed that out to me. <laughs> from a very loving place but I was not delighted to receive that piece of information (laughs) yeah 
wasn't my favorite thing ever, right? But then I found that it was so useful to know that that's my tendency because now I can see it. I have more awareness around it. And I can say, you know, I do need a little bit of time, but I can come back to this. I just need to come back. Now I have more words for it too, right? I can come right. back to center and all of that, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 But explicitly asking. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was just going to say, I think it's yeah. so good to, you know, for, for ourselves to be aware of that and to, you know, and to be able to communicate that, but also share it with our partners, you know, when yeah. we're starting to acknowledge that these yeah. things are like, Hey, yeah. I know that you tried to talk with this about me and like, yeah. I, I'm not opposed to it. But like right at the end of the day, when I haven't eaten, yeah. And <laughs> yeah. I'm already like kind of yeah. angry and you're bringing yeah. up finances to me, like I'm going to stop. Like right. I will yeah. do my best, but like this isn't, this isn't the best time for me. I'll work on that. But like, can we plan yes. to have the conversation ahead of time? And I think that planning part is so key. And what you said about creating that safety, I think, you know, you and I both talk about scheduling a yes. lot of things and planning a lot of things and sex or conversations yes. or whatever, but that heads up is so helpful, whether it is you just wanting to have a conversation or you wanting to have sex or whatever, when we communicate, yeah. Hey, yeah. I love you. This is important to me. When would be a good time for us to have a conversation about this? I've been, this has been on my mind or I've been listening to this and I really want to share some insights that I've gathered from listening to this podcast or whatever it is. When would be a good time planning ahead and not putting your person on the spot right then to expect them to give you an answer or to even want to dive into that conversation just because it is on the top of your mind. Okay, so you just reminded me of something really important. So we're going to head into the land of paradox now. Okay, we're going to head into the land of duality and opposite. So everybody just hold on. Pretend we're on a roller coaster and this is the time that you're going to hold on. Okay, (laughs) yeah. This is a whole episode about communication. And here's the last thing that we're going to say about communication. Sometimes you need to stop talking. (laughs) Okay, so I know we we want you to talk better when you're actually talking and to listen with intention and with focus and with loving your heart, right? We want you to do both. But sometimes the answer is not to talk about it anymore or to take a break on that topic and to just show up for the relationship you want. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, I want us to have more sex, but my partner is always tired. Why are they always tired? What are they always doing? How can I help them be less tired and then just help them be less tired? Or I'm the partner that's always tired and I want to have more sex. And what I need to do is ask for help so that I'm less tired. Like we don't have to have a conversation about the future of our sex life for me to call the babysitter or cancel the meeting or do the thing. So there's times when throwing more talking at it (laughs) is not the answer. And I find myself as a person who teaches something like soul-centered communication as a tool It's very important to know this is a great tool. It's awesome. And sometimes what you need to do is show up in love for the relationship you want, whatever that looks like, and then practice probably one of the hardest skills of all, which is detachment Mm -hmm. from the outcome. Yes. And I had many years ago, I had a client, not that many years, a few years ago, I had a client where her dream was for her partner to propose. They had so many conversations about it. 
And there came a point where they just, they did this. They stopped talking about it. And she just showed up for the relationship she wanted. Mm-hmm. And of course, in this crazy kismet situation, then the partner proposed. Mm-hmm. Why? Because there was no longer the pressure around. The, and sex is a place where there could be, it could feel like so such much a pressure. pressure cooker, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's like, if you imagine a pressure cooker and you have that knob and we can let some of that steam out. Sometimes that steam is let out through a conversation and then you use these, this tool. But sometimes that steam is let out by a day you play hooky from the office or by doing something, you know, planning a weekend away or just having breakfast together and not making it be a big production where you have to go out and do something, right? So think about what would alleviate that pressure in the pressure cooker. Is it a conversation or is it something else? And then that detachment around, and it might take a week, a month, a time period for that to develop. And that's okay. Yes. And that's such a a good and juicy point. And it's uh, why one of the reasons out of all of the videos and modules and lessons Mm -hmm. that I have in Better Sex in 90 Days, there's only a couple around communication because I truly feel the way that we're embodying this and showing up, like you said, out of love for the relationship that I want, for being the turned on woman that I want, for this passion that I want, oftentimes is enough. And we don't need to actually talk everything through. And it's Mm -hmm. We, we want to, that's why we have this. We want to be able to have this tool yes. when we need these conversations, but also like you said, that caveat that that's not always the solution or the answer for us being able to create what we want in our romantic life. Love it. Yeah. As always, we're on the same page. <laughs> so good. So good. I'm glad that you brought that up because that wasn't yeah. on my radar at all. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. This has been so juicy. I hope that you listen to this and then listen to it again with a pen and paper, get ready. And just like Maggie said at the beginning of this, com- like this call, like think about a conversation that perhaps you're avoiding. Think about something that you've really wanted to be saying and haven't been able to say yet. Think about maybe the last conversation that didn't end the way that you really wanted to and how it might have looked different if you were being solution-focused, if you're being open-hearted, if you're being uncomplicated, if you're being loving and you're also coming from the centered, not stressed place and paying attention to what your partner also wants or where they also are, you know, as far as their own stress response. So, so good. I hope that you all take all of this in and Maggie, where can people find you? Tell them more about what you have to offer. And if they want to learn more from the genius, that is you. Oh my gosh. Thank you. So MaggieReyes.com is my website. You can always find whatever I'm up to there. On Instagram, I'm the Maggie Reyes, and you can absolutely follow me there. And I am not the master of Instagram that Danielle is. Danielle is like masterful. <laughs> I'm like that old lady that doesn't know which button to press, but shows up anyway and kind of looks a little awkward. But I am there, so feel free to find me there. And my podcast is called The Marriage Life Coach Podcast. 
And I invite you, if you like are picking up what we're throwing down and you love podcasts, subscribe to the Marriage Life Coach podcast, go to episode one, start at the beginning. I really walk you through how to thrive in relationship through all the different episodes and all the different angles. Yes. It's such a good one. So thank you for your time and your brilliance. I am so glad that we had this conversation about having soul-centered conversations. Bye. Yay. Bye.